Hi, welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Canty. You can learn more about me and my team at KatherineCanty.com. For more than two decades, I have been able to travel the country and help other people grow their business. From those experiences, I was able to work with a proposal team that generated success 90% of the time for over a decade. We have created a leadership coaching program that is creating 100% measured results as seen by the leaders, peers, and stakeholders. And finally, I've spent nearly a decade in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, where we are learning what's working and what's not. And more importantly, we're able to take the communication from the boardroom and get it down to the front line so execution is easier to implement. You know, from all these experiences, we created a framework called Business Vitality. These are all of the best practices of leaders and and opportunities that have been coming up decade after decade. And a lot of this stuff has been in practice for more than 20 years, 30 years and beyond. And what we're learning is a lot of these folks that are remaining vital in business today are having to think differently. And to share a quote from one of my CEOs that I've worked with in the past, he told me all day long he can hire folks, but what he needs more of are people who think outside the box. So in an effort to pay it forward and celebrate successes, we are going to be sharing stories of leaders who are thinking differently and remaining vital in business today. Please stick to the end and we will share how you can be a guest on the show. And thanks so much for being here. Greg Coyne, you are the principal of Sandler Training found on the web at jerryweinberg.sandler.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Catherine. Appreciate it. Thank you. I really appreciate this. I know you're in the middle of a move. I can tell in your background, you were sharing that you're in the middle of a move. So thanks for making time. And I couldn't help but notice you got great uh, posters that are going on the floor, all of my favorite words from execution to success to, um, you know, just discipline. And uh, so I have to ask at just a very high level, folks that are new to you, Greg, and new to Sandler Training, can you explain exactly the services that Sandler Training provides? Sure. So the easiest way to say is, is presence of companies uh, reach out to our organization uh, because they're at the simple point, they're frustrated with the fact that their sales teams haven't been able to forecast and figured out how that forecast works. And so they're pulling their hair out, trying to figure out, all right, how do we go to the next level with our business? And so typically we are, we're, we're put together and then we figure out from that point, we'll run a discovery on the team, figure out who the, uh, uh, the people are that are, are accelerating the business and, and maybe who needs some skill building. Um, we also work with management and leadership to, to help them bring their game up because they have to coach the people that are in their uh, seats of the bus. But at the end of the day, no one's taught them how to coach. And so we run through uh, management, leadership, uh, sales, as well as customer service and bring everyone up to a whole new level, uh, as well as discuss strategy and structure of said business. That's it in a nutshell. I love it. So um, so this is a vital service today is being able to provide these services um, to help these businesses to continue to, to support them as they grow. And I've noticed online, you have a plethora of successes and didn't know if maybe you could share one or two of those with us of how you've been able to work with clients and maybe one of your favorite um, success stories. Sure. Um, there's a lot of them out there. It's uh, it's fascinating 
And it, it probably coincides uh, that we just talked about comfort zones earlier today. I was helping a, a group of clients uh, get through that. I love that that session. And it's been my experience that typically when people get to us, that either themselves or their people have been in comfort zones. Um, they feel that they've uh, kind of plateaued. And some of the ones that I can think of are uh, one was a manager and a leader of division of a French automotive company who, hey, we're, we're at this point. I don't know if we can take it to the next level. And I think when they started, they were a little under 60 million. So I think they were about 57 million. And within a 12 uh, month span, almost said 12 years, 12 months span, they were <laughs> able to go from there to 71 million. So we exceeded the expectations there. The expectation was to grow it to about 63, 64 million. And we got well past that just by putting process in place throughout the sales process itself. They're, you know, prospecting and being able to understand a pipeline is key within any organization. And we just helped develop that. The other was, um, I can think of one where uh, it's a smaller company, but uh, going to something we talked about earlier, which is not having materials, struggling with uh, inventory, uh, had a contracting company that uh, started with us small, uh, about one and a half million dollars uh, in that time that we've worked together, which is a little under three years, they've been able to hire five salespeople and uh, increase their sales from million and a half to six million dollars. Uh, and in so doing, we've put process in place, been able to help the the team learn how to coach their people and ultimately get people that were in those sales positions well beyond what they thought they can do. So two different ends of the spectrum when it comes to small business but two really impactful uh, circumstances that I'm pretty proud of. So, yeah, I hear you say the, uh, the word process over and over again. And I hear you say, you know, coaching and like helping other people learn how to communicate with folks to get them motivated and have them buy in to what the, what the company's doing. And I, I feel like those are very consistent in today's world with just consistency and, and vitality for business to keep coming back. These words, the folks that are succeeding, the words that they keep using is process and mm -hmm. and coaching and mentoring the folks that are around them. So um, do you feel like that process is something that's consistent no matter you know what business you're working with? You got to get that process in place. And um, do you see a process that's consistent that you just continue to reiterate and you're kind of like, gosh, guys, <laughs> this is like repeat and play. <laughs> Yes. And here's the funny thing. So to answer both of those questions, I'll answer it this way. One, having consistent process is vital to anyone's success. Isn't implemented typically when we're uh, brought into an organization? Absolutely not. I'd even argue that even those that are in that we do get brought in and they say they have a process, we start to implement things that can make it better. Mm -hmm. So the, the consistency with it, just certain simple things are like, meeting with your team. All right. Most people, they don't actually meet with their teams on a consistent basis. They also don't implement a individual meeting with their team to understand, so, or I should say those people on the team to understand what exactly they're doing, not doing, how they can help them. And quite frankly, the easiest way, the easiest way to be able to uh, debrief or get on the same page as one of your people is to use these four questions. 
we give them to all of our clients. Uh, you can probably look these up online. Uh, it's nothing special, but it's just the practice and implementation of that process on a regular basis to make it habit and make it successful. So here they go. Number one, what did you do well? So that could be, what did you do well today? What did you do well this week? What did you do well on a sales call? Number two, what could you do better? There's so many times we're real quick to find out the things that we do uh, better. Uh, we don't always ask uh, what we did well. So that's why I have those particular questions framed in that order. Number three, what lessons did we learn? In anything we do, there's always a lesson we can take away. If there isn't, I would challenge you to find it or find something new to do because every day we can find something new and a lesson from it. And number four, and I think this is ultimately the, the toughest but most important question, what will you do differently when faced with a similar situation? I think a lot of times, myself included, if we don't run a process on what we're doing, the temptation or the implementation is to continue to do the same things over and over again and expect a different result. You and I both know, Catherine, that's the definition of insanity. And so we've got to take this through the common steps. Those are four easy questions. A salesperson can run those questions on themselves, but it's a great way for a leader or a manager to really understand what their people are doing. I love those questions. It's uh, very similar to some of the work I've done in the past. I don't know. Do you have a military background? No, but uh, I love, it's kind of why I got to Scott. Scott's a former military, Scott Ferguson, yeah. both been on the show. Yeah. Um, and so I, I honor those people uh, that fought and, and served for us, but no, I was not. My dad was though, um, yeah. fought in Vietnam, uh, 67, 68. So. All right. My father was in Vietnam too. Yeah. And again, just like you, I am just forever in debt for these men and women that keep us safe. So I love, I love that they're willing to do that for us. And I'm grateful for it. And the reason I ask is these four questions, they tie back to a little bit of military training in the sense that it's um, the after action assessment. So anytime they go through an exercise, they ask these reflective type questions, you know, what did you set out to do? What happened? What did you learn from it? And what are you willing to do going forward? So, I mean, the classics just keep coming up and I love that everybody puts their own twist on it because we all have to say it in different ways for it to stick with different people. And, um, you know, just that nugget that you just shared with those four questions that any salesperson could pick up and implement right now, I think is just really important. So I love that you have the four questions that you encourage them to get started with if they don't have a process yet. Love it. Yeah. All right. So um, before we we uh, hit record on this, um, I shared a stat. It said that uh, Sandler Training actually shared a stat that shows 71% of the sales process has changed due to going remote. And then also you had mentioned, you know, how are people selling when they don't have materials and they don't have inventory? And so it feels like ever since we've gone remote, we have to change our sales process, again, the word. And then also, you're also selling things that you don't really have an inventory. How do you do that and manage customer expectations? Can I get you to just talk about that and, and share your opinions and what you're seeing? And if you have any questions that are good for us to uh, consider? I like it. So first of all, let's start with uh, the statistic that you you gave, the 71% uh, that's changed. And from what 
we've seen with clients and even prospects, those that aren't our clients, the one thing that we heard, quite frankly, a whole lot over the last 12 to 18 months, there were a lot of people who were, they were outside sales. And the typical outside salesperson would go to an office, go to a location and look to sit down with that business owner or that head of procurement or the engineering department or whomever that they wanted to get a sale from. Well, you know, March 20th of 2020, all of a sudden things changed immediately. Things got shut down. uh, We were put inside. And just like everybody else, we had to adapt. One of the things we did, we've been running a hybrid model of in-person and online training for years. And so for us, we were lucky that that was something that was instilled and implemented because once that went down, we were like, I guess we're all going virtual. And so we had to do that. We got in touch with our clients. We shifted. Uh, the biggest thing for a lot of people, and I would argue, Catherine, there's still people to, to this day that will come to us and say, man, I can't wait till things open up so I can get back in front of people. The people who were uh, are arguably most trained, most ready for this were inside sales teams. They had already been used to being in front of the camera, being over the phone, selling up front with a lot of their prospects and clients. So they really didn't have a lot of transition. But the biggest thing was for those outside salespeople. So what they had to get used to is simply put getting in front of people like we are today. And the biggest thing I've noticed, there's a, a colleague of ours in uh, Chicago, Jody Williamson. He runs a, an office out there. And what he said in a, in a talk uh, back in 2018, he discussed the fact that, that, that if you weren't on it then, you were already two steps behind. And this is before any of us thought about a pandemic or COVID or any of that. And so the thought process simply put is, if you think about being on a phone, you have about 20% of your senses that you're using. When you're online in front of a camera, there's a lot of aspects that come back into play. Yes, you aren't in the same room, but you get to see body language. You get to see eye contact. As I talk, I move my hands. You get to hear tone and apply it with the body language and the words that are being used. There's a lot of nuances that come back into play when you're doing it online. So when 71% changed, a lot of simple things had to go into effect. You've got one right in front of you, got a microphone, you've got your earphones. There's so many little pieces of technology that got added to the game that people had to get trained on as well. Zoom being another. People got involved with Teams heavily on the Microsoft side. There are so many little nuances that all came together into this 71% that has allowed for salespeople to be successful. Now, the, the biggest thing is that learning curve. How well are they doing it and how much are they doing it? So you take all of these aspects into play and then you throw salespeople and companies a curveball and let them know, hey, supply chain and materials are all messed up. Now, what are you going to do? And so... One of the biggest things that most likely hadn't been done or maybe had been glossed over, and you said it a moment ago, Catherine, is setting and getting expectations from our prospects and clients. I hear it all the time. We talk about it in Sandler as something we call an upfront contract. So it's a mutual agreement between two parties on what's going to happen next so that there's no surprises. 
This is something that we're constantly doing throughout the process, before, during, and after. And that is something sometimes, depending on our personalities, who's in front of each other, that we gloss over. We say, I always refer back to this. Love the movie, the movie Moneyball, Brad Pitt, Jonah Hill. And there's a scene where Brad Pitt gets an answer and hangs up on the GM. And Jonah Hill's like, he was still talking. And he says, hey, when you get your answer, you hang up. Love the movie, don't love the perspective. Because what we miss is the fact that there could be other things that need to get addressed. And if we just hear what we want to hear and move on, that's typically when problems rear their ugly heads, either at that moment, and they grow throughout the process later on. So if we've got delays, and one of those companies I mentioned that's up around 6 million, one of the biggest things that they had to deal with were 40-week layovers. If they went in to make a, to make a pitch for a remodeling job, they had to talk about it up front. Look, at, if you want to get on in the next couple months, probably not going to happen. If that's going to be a barrier to us doing business, we should probably end the meeting now. And it, it got to no and yes quicker. It was a checkpoint. If it was something they needed to have right away, it wasn't the right fit. Now, mind you, there are probably other people that wouldn't be able to deliver that either. But the fact is that you have to address those things. It's been my experience, Catherine, that quite frankly, the things that are the scariest thing to, to be addressed are the things that need to be addressed up front. So to answer the question, circle back on it. In terms of not having materials or having longer wait times, address that up front. Take it away from both yourself and your prospects. It's going to make your life and theirs a heck of a lot easier. I have to agree. I think uh, communication cannot be over um, overemphasized today because we've just got to set expectations. Even in the, when you're trying to communicate between operations to the frontline sales to the customer, that communication just needs to be very streamlined. And you're totally right. If the customer needs something today and you can't deliver it for another few weeks, just let them know because there's a sense of trust that you begin to build with those clients that then when something else comes up again, they're going to be able to have you know trust in you that you can deliver and um, have realistic expectations. So communication, I think is key. I don't know if you've, you've got a few thoughts on that, that transparency of communication through an organization. Have you seen any uh, things work well? Well, I think it's, you said it. And my biggest thing is just to talk about it. Most of the, the dread that happens for people are the things that are left unsaid, whether that's personally or professionally. And fear is a lot of the, the unknowns, it, whether you're selling, whether you're communicating with anyone, oh, what are they going to say? How are they going to respond? Talk about it. And I think the biggest thing is that most of that fear stems from inside our own heads. And when we deliver the message in a, in a nurturing way, of course, we start to find out that, hey, they just wanted to know what's going to happen next. And so when you start to be, you begin to talk about it, all of a sudden it comes out and you get it addressed and leveled out. I always get a kick out. I use this example this morning with our clients. There's two things that I always use. One is our triggers when it comes to how we think about things, as well as my wife and how she likes to communicate sometimes. And she hates that I use her as an example, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great one on both, on both ends. So first is understanding how to communicate with someone, all right, and how they want 
that deli- that information delivered. One of the things that she's done is I always like to have our weekends for us to relax, to do what have you. And sometimes we've got those jobs that we have to do, those nagging uh, landscape and lawn stuff. And I'd rather deal with it during the week. Well, sometimes there, you don't have the time to, and it's just a little bit, you need a few extra hours in the day. So she'll come to me now earlier in the week because what used to happen She'd come to me on Saturday afternoons and say, hey, we really should get this stuff done. And I'd get all frustrated and turn into a little bratty kid and pout about wanting to do it. So what she would do is plan ahead and say, hey, look, it, it's pretty nasty out there. You and I both know we need to do it. And this is a Tuesday morning. Let's start planning now what we can do on Saturday. I'd be like, OK, I don't want to do it, but you've given me a couple of days to, to understand it. And then when Saturday comes, boom, I'm good to go. Now, here's the other thing, though, too, that she'll occasionally do, and that is she'll dance around what she really wants to say. For instance, you may hear the safe question. Uh, hey, honey, what would you like? To, what are we doing this weekend? What do you got planned already this weekend? That's not really what she wants to know. What she wants to do is something completely different. And she's throwing out a safe question to see where I'm at. Most people will want to answer that question, not knowing what's going to happen next. So when we talk about communication, one of the biggest things is if you hear something like that, my typical response is, hey, I'm I'm happy to talk about weekend plans, but you probably had something in mind. So let's talk about it. Now it addresses what's really at hand. And all of a sudden, the truth starts to come out. So getting to the bottom of of truth and understanding triggers of people are two key components that I I look for when trying to communicate better with anybody. Okay. So I think you probably didn't intentionally mean to do this, but (laughs) everything that we do at work applies at home and everything we do at home applies to work. And it just stems back to this whole communication that if you've got that clear communication and, you know, your wife's probably just kind of hitting you with the softball question versus coming at you hot saying you got yard work to do this weekend. (laughs) You know, she, she knows to ease into it on Tuesday. This is a very smart woman who knows I need to get the yard taken care of. And if he's not going to do it by Thursday, you know, I'm going to be crazy about this all weekend long. So very smart woman to set expectations early into week. Um, Also a phrase that I've heard in the past is just backwards planning. Okay. You know that you've got an end goal and now let's just like back in to how we're going to accomplish this and um, getting buy-in together, I think is great. You're problem solving together. And you know, you talk about fear and that that fear that overcomes us in order to um, have these really hard conversations. And I was working with somebody and they said, when you can address fear, you can change that word. That word is interchangeable with the word awareness. And what you're doing is you're creating awareness around whatever we think that fear is. And it begins to break that ice. So now we can kind of get over the threshold of fear to deal with whatever that situation is on the other side. Love it. I love it. That's great, Catherine. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you mentioned you were reading this book called Elevate. Yes. And yeah, so, okay, so it's called Elevate, Push Beyond Your Limits and Unlock Your Successes in Yourself and Others. Um, I noticed it was written by Robert Glazer, and you said your takeaway, which I love it when people give takeaways from the books that they've read. You said, elevate your relationships to take your life and career to an elevated level. And so I'm wondering, what are some examples how you're doing that today and how you're teaching others to do the same thing? 
I love it. Um, so that is a phenomenal question. And I would say quite simply, it's understanding what other people need and want and having real conversations um, as opposed to, and look at my personality by its by itself, the natural tendency is I want to have like surface level conversations and naturally. However, books like this, some of our training and just being involved in this world for you know, 15, 20 years, the, the, the fact is, is that I want more out of those relationships. So being able to, to talk about what people are really looking for, some of their interests uh, and diving deeper into what they, they really want. Everybody can talk about, you know, what your kids are doing or, or, you know, the, the dinner you had last night or the game that was on. Um, anybody can do that, but understanding what people really want and their long-term goals and, and having the courage and guts to, to talk about it and how you might be able to help them not from a sales standpoint, but connecting them to other people, having those, you know, the, is this really what you want type conversations and being able to extend, um, you know, help when they need it. I think that was the, the biggest takeaway um, and, and are those conversations the ones that you're having or are they just surface level? And so I think the biggest takeaway elevating was elevating my conversation with others. What do they really want out of life and out of their personal and professional careers? Because I, I do call our personal life a bit of a career where we're in it and we want to get the most out of it. And so how are we doing that? Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine you're implementing that in your work and teaching others on how to do this. And are those conversations kind of hard to say, Hey, I'm going to take this conversation a little bit deeper than just the weekend football game. Yeah. Because one of the things that I've implemented and we talked about process yeah. and I have, I have other accountability partners. Some are, are in your former world in the, the banking world. Others are, are people within my organization. And one of the things that I did a couple of years ago was incredibly tedious for me, for others that are more process oriented. Um, they loved it. They would have gotten into the numbers more than I did. Uh, but it was, it was taking where I was and where I wanted to go, taking those numbers apart. Number one, number two, looking at what I wanted. Um, uh, and I think there was another book I read recently. Uh, I think it's called get finishing. And so we're all, a lot of us are, um, I think Gilkey was the, the author. Um, it's escaping me. But one of the biggest things that they talked about was the fact that, hey, don't have any more than, than five goals at a time. All right. And typically whittle those down to one or two that you're, tr you're truly focused on. And so what I did this past year was I had four major goals, uh, either both personally and professionally. And everything that I did was wrapped around those goals. And so I had tasks lists um, that I broke down with, with start and end dates. And so I went through all of them and did I hit the goals? Did I not hit the goals? Um, quite frankly, I, I hit more than I didn't, but I did miss a lot too. And I think what that taught me, I think a lot of times our failures teach us more than our wins. And some of it was, all right, what could I break? How could I break down these particular goals or tasks in the smaller tasks to be able to make them achievable? And was I jumping too far initially when I wanted to go from point A to point B? And it's really helped me get to where I've wanted to go. There's a, there's a couple things fiscally that, 
that my wife and I wanted to do, a couple things from a, a professional standpoint that I wanted to do, and I'm on course to get there. And if I didn't implement these tasks and implement this process, again, process, I, I don't think I would have gotten there. I, if, and if I did, it would have been from the luck of the draw and nothing else. So that's, that's one. The other thing real quick, Catherine, is implementing it with others. It's a little daunting when they see what I, I do initially. So I said, let's break this down a little bit further. All right, let's take a smaller standpoint. Let's just break it into what are you going to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis before we start looking at this huge, overwhelming elephant. Okay, I love that because I had a, a previous guest, Bob Mesta. He's in Michigan, just like you. Really? And yeah, he's he's great. And um, he talks about we we were talking about time management and the importance of it. And he um, basically just said you've got five priorities, give or take five priorities, give or take two or so. But like that's all your mind can really handle. And you need to realize that you're going to focus on one at a time. The rest will go in inventory or sit on the shelf. But whatever you learn from that one priority, you're going to be able to apply to the ones that are on the shelf when you rest that one and bring another one off. So um, the five priorities definitely hits home. Um, The guy just does phenomenal work. And we just started talking about time management and everything that you say, you know, he just reiterated that in in a different interview and um, implementation with others. That's how you create the change. That's how you gain the recognition to accomplish whatever it is that you're trying to do. We all know that when we tell ourselves we're going to lose three pounds or five pounds or whatever it is, we don't really do it. But if we tell other people, our stakeholders around us and bring them with us, they kind of cheer us on and they want to help us, you know, do better. And so if you have the courage and the, and the humility to be able to do that, then, then go for it. That's how you can get across the finish line even quicker. So I love that you just shared those two things. I love it. And I love the fact that you said something that's key. And that's the people that care about you the most. Those are people you need to tell the quickest because they will hold you accountable and they'll also want to see you achieve the goal. So that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's fun. Tell me um, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you and learn more about the work that you're doing or just continue this conversation, what are some really good ways to find you? Sure. A couple of ways they can reach out to us. Uh, online at jerryweinberg.sandler.com. Another, the, the, probably the, arguably the best way to reach me is go to LinkedIn, type in Greg Coyne, uh, C-O-Y-N-E. All my contact information is there. Uh, I post some of the successes we've had with our, uh, our clients. Um, and I look to post quite often. Uh, some of it's fun. Some of it's specific to leadership, management, and sales. Uh, but those are arguably the two best ways to to reach me and the rest of the team. That's wonderful. Thank you. Greg Coyne, you are the principal of Sandler Training, found on the web at jerryweinberg.sandler.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Catherine. Have a great one. You too. My team and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Business Vitality Podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you know of another leader, another CEO, a founder who has another success story that they are willing to share and be able to pay it forward, we would love to highlight their stories on this podcast. You can find more information at katherinecanty.com. And in the meantime, if you could take a minute and rate this show, that would be super helpful because that's going to allow more people like you to find us in order to continue to pay it forward. Again, if you need to learn any additional information, we are happy to help. 
You can find us more at katherinecanty.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with my name, Katherine Canty. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you.